You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax with She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And it is the sweetest victory Monday that I think that we have had the entirety of the season. The perfect way to start a brand new year, 2023. The Pact host the Minnesota Vikings, the NFC North winning Minnesota Vikings, and just completely dominate the entirety of the game a 41-17 final that doesn't really paint the entire picture of the game. I think we all kind of freeze-framed in our brain at 41-3, to and that's what we're going to yes. go with uh, to talk about this episode. So, Perry, Happy New Year. What a great way to start. Happy New Year. It is. I hope that this game was an omen for what my 2023 year is going to be. I would love to dominate and have that kind of energy and come out on top. That's, that's, that's what I think this was for the Packers. Um, I agree with you. This to me in my mind was a 41 to three win. the two touchdowns that happened in garbage time were against the Packers second and third string defense and just don't count. So I think all around, this was like the first like complete game the Packers have played. It's week 17 and they finally showed us their full potential. What we have known all season they can be when all 22 players on that field are playing to their full potential. Like this is the Packers. And I hope that this is them getting hot at exactly the right time. Um, obviously, they're not quite in yet. They need another win next week against the Lions. But I hope this energy and this like peaking uh, can carry them forward. Yeah, I texted you about this after the game, and I'm not trying to put too much, you know, um, stock into my six week old son, but I just want to point out that since his birth, the Packers are four and one, and his one loss was against the Eagles, which I'm not really counting. So, yeah, I think that my son brought good luck to the franchise, and if they win a Super Bowl, it's probably because I had a son named Vincent. But let's talk you about did name him. You did name him <laughs> Vincent. So, and his initials are VL, just saying. Yeah, I you said it, not me. So let's talk about this, though, because, you know, we talked about the Vikings before this game and the fact that they we didn't really believe that they could be a team that could go all the way. And it was very reminiscent of the 2019 Packers, where sometimes you're just a lucky football team. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the times this season, 
And the Vikings have had some incredible comebacks, obviously looking at a Colts team that albeit is not very good, but one score games that could have gone as an L or a W. And I think this is why a lot of people didn't really believe in the Vikings as a team. And I think you could argue that this season there were plenty of games that the Packers could have won and didn't. So it was really nice to finally see them come out against a playoff team that is going to be no less than the third seed at this point in the playoffs, hosting playoff games to put out the performance that they did against a high powered offense with a really fantastic edge rush, just all around, like you said, the best performance by them of the season. An edge rush that they completely wiped out. I mean, the Packers allowed, I think it I saw four pressures total. Rogers didn't get sacked once. He he got he took that really terrible sack where he ran backwards like 16 yards. That's right. I was like, but, no, I do remember him being on the ground, but that felt like his fault. That was his um, fault. <laughs> that was definitely his fault. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those games where everything kind of happened right. And they played really complimentary football. Like I said, all 21 guys and special teams went out and did what they needed to do. And this wasn't against like a slouch team. Just like you said, the Vikings won the division. They're going to be hosting playoff games. Sure. They have a little bit of a kind of a wonky looking stat line when it comes to um, DVOA and, you know, point differential and things like that. But it takes a good football team to win 12 games in a season period. And I think the Packers had a little bit of the momentum advantage in this game. A they're playing for their season because they're not in yet. The Vikings are. And B, this was a revenge game. This was a revenge game to the highest degree because week one, no one can stop talking about. And the Vikings could come in maybe and play spoiler, et cetera. But Packers wanted this more. They just wanted it more. And, you know, they did what they needed to do. We can talk about all the things that they they were able to do against the Vikings. But you can just te- you could tell from kickoff that they were playing with like a more intense energy. They did not come into this game like they have in some other games this season, kind of like sleepwalking and then halfway through wake up. Yeah. Or, I mean, it was really nice to see them not take their foot off the gas, you mm-hmm. know, because we saw it against so many teams like the Patriots, the Giants. These were very winnable games for the Packers and a couple of them, obviously, like the Commanders, these games slipped through their fingers. So it was nice to see, you know, you're up 27 to three at halftime and you didn't take your foot off the gas. Like this is what we wanted from the Packers because that's how you let good teams like the Vikings hang around. And obviously we know the Vikings are a high powered offense. They can, Justin Jefferson can score, you know, at any spot from the field. So the fact that they didn't let up and they ended the game with their highest point total of the season. Yes. You know, 14 points came from defense and special teams, but still, even if you take away those points, it's 27 mm-hmm. points from the offense. And that's, that says a lot about, you know, the trajectory that this team is on and Aaron Rodgers controlling his own destiny in December and January is, is a pretty scary thing for the rest of the NFC. I agree. So let's talk about how they got there. So you mentioned 27 to three at the half. It was a really wild first half. Absolutely. Um, the first quarter when it ended, I was like, it's only been one quarter of football. You know, the Packers start off going, forcing a three and out, going three and out. Like you said, Rogers takes that horrible sack and you're like, Oh dear, what is this going to be? And then there's a blocked punt and it feels like this could be the moment where the air just gets totally knocked out of this game. The Vikings go down. They're on the one yard line. They're like, 
they're just going to punch this in. It's going to be, you know, but they're going to have like the, the lead now. And then the Packers defense makes an incredible stand on the goal line to hold them to three. And it just set the tone for the rest of the game. This defense completely dominated at the line of scrimmage. They played the best coverage and that I've seen the secondary play. And I'm sure we'll talk about what that led to in a second, but I just view that start to be like kind of what set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, because I think it would have been really easy, you know, if, it's Justin Jefferson that gets a touchdown down there in the red zone or Delvin cook. Like if it starts seven to zero, you know, maybe Nixon still has a return on the ensuing drive, but I think that momentum, you know, really says a lot and sets the tone for a team. And, and I I know it's something we're going to talk about later, but we talked about wanting to see this team pretty much all season, like bring their own juice, quote unquote. I know that was a really popular phrase last year and this felt like, you know, even the last couple weeks, I think against the Rams, against the Dolphins, and now against the Vikings, this team, it's it's playoff football. AJ Dillon said it, you know, the, they're in the playoffs already. Like if they lose, doesn't matter. You know, you don't right. get into the big dance. So this is, this has been playoff football and they're really playing with that kind of energy that you'd expect from a playoff caliber football team. Exactly. This was the first game. I think we mentioned this earlier that they really looked like the team at their full potential and this team at full potential it is a playoff team. They had Super Bowl aspirations going into the season. There's a reason why they brought Aaron Rodgers back. So um, this is just the way that they should be playing. And to get a boost like they did from Keyshawn Nixon, I think all of us have been waiting for him to break one loose for a couple weeks now. Um, he had the 94-yarder last week, and you're thinking, oh, six more yards. And then it happened. And like that was kind of the moment where I was like, this game might get really ugly, really, really ugly, really fast, because all of a sudden, you know, the Packers are back on top. And I just, they've never had a special teams like this. Like we watched them literally lose a playoff game last year because of their special teams. And now all of a sudden they have what I hope to be an all pro returner. They're kicking away from him, right? He's a, he's a legitimate threat weapon, who put the Packers on top to get a lead and that they never got let go of. Yeah. And I mean, I think it says a lot when you hear from Rogers and you hear from Lafleur. you know, it's not like Nixon fielded this at like the six yard line, right? This was five yards into the end zone, 105 yard return. And Rogers had said a couple weeks ago, like, you know, most of the time, if a ball is fielded in the end zone, you're like, please take a knee for the love of God, take a knee. Like, what are we doing? Or fair catch the ball, you know, and we'll just, you know, make the offense drive a little further. Now to have a guy like Nixon back there, even the floor is like, Hey, if you can catch the ball cleanly, do it. Just, just, you know, you've got the legs, you've got the, the vision and the hole that that defense or that, that unit opened for him was massive. And I think LaFleur had even said it post game. Like when you have a guy that can rake plays like that, it, it energizes the whole unit. Like guys want to go block for you because they know what yeah. you're capable of. If they give you, you know what you need. Yeah. That hole, there's a screenshot of it, and mm-hmm. it's wide open. And, you know, he clears the kicker, and it's just – it's done. Like, it's just – it's it's game over that from there. Um, I'm really happy for him. He's a, he's a great player to root for. And I just want to plug this in here because every season we have conversations, and I'm sure we'll have them in this offseason, about 
roster building and draft and the way the Packers draft and develop and that whole philosophy. But every single season, Goot has found on the street or off another team's practice squad a player or two that has completely changed this team. And this season, you could put Rudy Ford maybe in this category as well, but like this season, it is Keyshawn Nixon. They brought him in from the Raiders. Obviously, I'm I'm sure Rich Bisaccia had something to do with this. And now he's literally going to the Pro Bowl and probably will be an all-pro returner. And he's completely flipping the field for them. Sure, we love a 105-yard touchdown drive, but he or touchdown return, but he does 30-yard, 40-yard, 50-yard returns regularly and puts this Packers offense in a really, really good position. So um, just like a shout-out to Goot because he always seems to find those guys uh, off the street, and it's a talent that I don't think a lot of other GMs have. Yeah, I literally was texting my dad about that when it happened, and I was like, you know, looking at – you know, whatever you want to say about his, some of his draft classes, you know, it's the jury's still out and going to be out on the 2022 class for quite a few years until they're more established. But the way that he's able to kind of pluck talent off of other rosters, even going back to like Alan Lazard, you know, from the Jaguars practice squad, he shows up in big moments. And I think that that's just something that absolutely can't be understated. Justin Hollins, you know, coming in from the Rams and having a couple sacks so far this season, like, it's just been really incredible to watch. And these are the kind of guys that are on these favorable contracts right now. And who knows what the contract extension conversation would look like with Nixon next season, but he just completely changed an entire special teams unit. And you can absolutely argue that, you know, the punt, the blocked punch shouldn't have happened. Of course, there's still plenty of things to clean up for that special teams unit, but the ability to flip the field is something that I can't remember the last time we've seen it as a, a help to the offense, especially an offense that, truth be told has struggled at times to move the ball and get into the red zone yes and they even did in this game right like they I don't think the Packers offense really started moving and grooving until like halfway through the second quarter so they had a lead because of their defense and their special teams and it was it allowed them to kind of take the time they need to get into that groove now you can argue going forward the offense is going to have to come out you know Q1 firing on all cylinders, but for this game, they were buoyed for sure by their other units. Yeah. So let's talk about then, you know, another big moment in the game because Darnell Savage has had, you know, you could say an up and down season. I think it's mostly been down. Like, I don't know that we can really recall a lot of up and, you know, I, I even remember if it was last week or this week, I made a comment to Mark and I was like, why doesn't he use his arms to tackle? Like, I was like, how did he just hit Delvin Cook with his back? Like, where are your arms? And then a couple plays later, you know, he's he's running down the sideline for a 75-yard pick six. And I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> look at what those arms can do, buddy. But really, I mean, I think, you know, credit to Joe Barry, how, whoever you want to credit, you know, Jerry Gray, for putting his guys in positions to do this because you're hoping that, you know, he's going into his fifth-year option. They renewed him already for the fifth-year option this is the kind of stuff that you're hoping can kind of springboard his confidence and get him back on the same page with the secondary, because after a down year that felt really meaningful to have him have that moment. Yeah. And I think it was Ryan Wood who had a article come out recently. If you don't follow him, people listening, he, he covers the Packers. He does a very nice job. And it was kind of about how the Packers benched him 
benched Savage. He deserved it. And now the mindset coming back in when he is put back in is don't try to do anything extra. Don't try to go out and make the play, be a playmaker. Just go out and do your job. And when you do your job, plays will happen. And that's been like the mindset. And you saw it in this game. He just went out. He did his job. And that's something I do want to talk about with the rest of the secondary as well. And because he was doing his assignment and his 111th, he was able to be in a position to make that interception. And it wasn't even, it was not a simple interception. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it was like a tipped ball that he kind of like ran backwards to get. And then some way, somehow, there was enough blocking for him up front to get that into the end zone. I mean, we've known, right? Savage is super athletic, super speedy. So I'm not surprised that he turned the Jets on, but it took like real, I don't know, being in the right position and like playmaking ability for him to grab that ball out of midair. So, and again, it put the Packers up on top 14 to three in the first quarter. The offense had barely even been on the field yet. The offense had like, I think it was 14, three and they had 14 yards of offense because the other units just kept scoring and making plays for them. So again, just, all around the absolute best complimentary football. And in general, I mean, right, the Packers had four turnovers, three interceptions, one forced fumble. When your turnover differential is plus four, like you're you're going to win football games. That's just, just how it works. I don't love relying on turnovers because I think turnovers are fluky and they're just an unreliable stat for winning. But at the same time, the Packers have how many now? interception 17 17 like that doesn't feel fluky that just feels like these players are now finally being put in positions to make plays and like be aggressive and athletic like we know that they can be yeah and I mean I think it's telling too that this was a this was a three interception game and it was the three safeties Rudy Ford obviously this is his third pick of the season but it kind of surprised me when Adrian Amos got his pick that this was his first all year you know, like it just had felt like such a down year for both safeties. And we're talking about, you know, in previous shows, what the offseason looks like. Do they try to move Savage? Do they get rid of Amos? Like, what are these contract situations? What are the conversations? And, you know, that still may happen, but it just was a really complete game. And it was really nice to see Savage and Amos both get a pick in this game because, you know, it was it felt felt like a really year for the secondary until, you know, things started ramping up a couple weeks ago. And I know you specifically want to talk about Jair um, against Justin Jefferson, but just a complete 180 from what we saw in week one and the way that they were able to, you know, scheme up the defense to put their guys in a really good position to shut down the Vikings playmakers. Well, first of all, they finally played these players the way that they should, right? They were able to press guys the line. They were playing sticky. They were aggressive. Like the Rudy Ford pick, even he jumped that route. He was able to see where Kirk was going with that ball and he jumped in front of it. Like that's what these Packers secondary players are good at. Like let them use their football IQ, let them use their athleticism. I think there's also just clearly better communication ever since we heard about Jerry Gray chewing everybody out in the locker room about their inability to talk to each other. Like it has been a complete, a complete 180 for the secondary. We knew going into the season, like they had potentially the best five guys, nickel base in the league. And I don't think this off season saying that was 
a hot take at all and they have not lived up to expectations and now you're starting to see like what they can really do and why that was a conversation why everyone was so high on this Packers secondary and it starts and ends with their all pro corner Jair and Jair's been talking a lot of smack this season he hasn't always backed it up and he came into this game super chirpy while I appreciate it. I know some other fans and people don't, I personally think like you have to have that attitude to be a cornerback in the NFL. You, you just, you simply have to have that level of confidence. He also is going up against, you know, the young up and coming, probably one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in football this season. And you're thinking, okay, we said it in our preview show, Justin Jefferson is going to get his in this game. It's just a matter of mitigating that. Well, Justin Jefferson got a big fat zero in this game. He, Jair, shout out to him. I think it was on like 65% of his routes run. And he had one catch for 15 yards. And I think it was when Jair was not on him. So just complete like shut down. Like this is why we pay you. This is why you talk your shit performance from Jair. And it was just so, so refreshing to see because you know that that's what he's capable of. And it also made me even more angry about week one, because this is what we could have been doing in week one, having Jair shadow, not completely, obviously, but more often than not have Jair follow Justin Jefferson and look at what it did. So I'm hoping this is a bit of a blueprint moving forward because the Packers are going to play some other, you know, wide receiver cores that are very good. And clearly I think they showed what they're able to do when they go up against another team's number one. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking all game that this is what you want to see against the lions next week. Like who would have thought that this lions offense would be putting up 40 points. This is a really good offense. It's going to be coming into Lambeau field and their playoff picture, you know, is, is not clear either. They need a win and a little bit of help to get in. So Amon Ross St. Brown is dangerous. You think about Justin Jefferson shadowing him or, you know, let's say it's the playoffs guys like CD lamb, AJ Brown, whatever the case is. I think this was a really good blueprint game to, to show this defense, what they can do. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Let's talk about the offense a little bit because I think it's hard to say that there was one phase that wasn't or like underperformed because you 21 had- minutes in we have not even talked about <laughs> the offense yet. But I mean, you know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. say that a team underperforms when they put up 41 points. But if there was a spot that maybe you're like, oh, 
you know, there could have been a couple adjustments made here. I think the offense is probably where those adjustments, you know, are looking towards, you know, going into next week, at least, at least in the red zone. Yes. The red zone offense needs some assistance. I'm waiting for Nathaniel Hackett any day now. Get on a plane. Um, get, come on. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, like they had 315 total yards. Rodgers only needed to pass for 152. They ran for 163. But when you put those numbers into context of the rest of the game, it makes sense. First of all, they got so much help from their defense. They were put in great field position. They didn't have to drive 80, 85, 90, 95 yards down the field to score, right? So that's part of it. I thought they ran the ball incredibly efficiently. Um, and in the end, by the fourth quarter, it was such a blowout that they didn't really need to do anything. They just kind of ran the ball and drained the clock. So in context, it I actually think the numbers look a lot better. But yeah, I think the takeaway for me with the offense is that they need to get more efficient in the red zone. They cannot get down there, especially if and when I'm going to say if and when they make the playoffs and they're going up against these better teams. You cannot settle for three. You have to go for seven. That That's like that's the one thing. I mean, when they play their brand of football, they play it really well. You run the ball effectively with both your backs. You hit your guys on third down when you need to. Cobb with Lazard had one of the craziest, most insane hands catches I've ever seen in this game. I think it was a third down. And it was just like plucked. I was like in shock. You know, Dobbs and Watson didn't have their best games, but that's okay. They'll have them. Um, I just think this team, if defense and special teams plays this way, they don't need to do much. And that's really scary for opponents, I think. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to be superhero for the Packers to win, that should be alarming. And he, I mean, Rodgers had some great throws. The touchdown to Tunyon in this game was like vintage, gorgeous. We fought, we got a rusher uh, with, with a belt. So there were definitely moments, but I think this brand of offense is actually a little bit scarier when they stick to it. That's the other thing. It's red zone. And when they stick to the plan um, can be very, very good. Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Alan Lazard because he's having a career year, you know, as his look at wide receiver one, he has 747 yards on the season and five touchdowns. And we had talked about, you know, what does a successful offense look like if you don't have necessarily a wide receiver one? And these were kind of the numbers we like expected that maybe, you know, you have a couple of players around 800, a couple of players, maybe around 500, but just that kind of, you know, everybody takes some snaps. Everybody plays a role on offense. There's not going to be a star necessarily. Um, Aaron Jones to me has been such an interesting, you know, like, like case study this year because he only has the two touchdowns, but quietly again, has over a thousand yards rushing, um, five touchdowns through the air instead of on the ground. So AJ Dillon has really kind of been the bell cow as far as rushing touchdowns, but Aaron Jones just completely dynamic every single time he touches the ball, really quiet, really good season, even though he's not getting nearly as many touches, I think, as we would like. I don't understand why they don't use him in the red zone more. I don't either. I I really don't get it. He has, look, I'm a huge AJ Dillon fan and I love when they use him on those short yardage, punch it in situations. But of the two backs, Jones has the best vision. So 
why not put him in down there and see if he can find a hole to get through? I, I have some questions, but I like the way this team is playing. I really like the way this team is playing. And there are a couple of moments where I'm like, I, I still hate the shot play on third down. You know, I, I think they can get better on fourth down efficiency. I want Matt LaFleur to stay aggressive for sure. But there are some times where I'm like, just take the points, just take the points, Maddie. Um, but these are feel like nitpicky things rather than you think about this even a month or six weeks ago. And we have nothing good to say about this offense. Like they've really, really turned it around. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes into what we wanted to talk about as well with the idea of energy and momentum. Like, I mean, yes, it's a rivalry game, but it just felt like this team came out of the tunnel with Juice. Jair doing the gritty. Robert Tunyon doing a gritty after he scored his touchdown. You know, A.J. Dillon orchestrating an entire band (laughs) with Aaron Rodgers playing bass guitar. And you've got, like, Josh Myers doing the triangle. Like, these aren't just impromptu things, right? Like, these are things that these guys thought about the entire week, had to obviously plan for. Um, And I think it says a lot about just the energy that they're bringing into each game, knowing it's it's their environment. Matt LaFleur said all week, like, we want Lambeau to be loud. We want Lambeau to be rocking. And yes, if they make the playoffs, they're going to have to travel on the road. But this is what you want. These are these two games to get you into the playoffs. And they springboard you and give you that momentum and that energy going into, you know, the toughest stretch. Yeah. I mean, this is how they should act at home. Like, this should be the kind of this is our house, like, get the F out of our house, like energy that you want from them. I love seeing Rogers bring the belt out. I think like once you bring the belt out in a season, it's, it's just, it brings it to a different level. And you and I were talking about this mid game. It was so nice to see them enjoying themselves. Mm -hmm. Even in the past games where they score, it's like, it felt like it was so difficult and then you finally get the touchdown and then, but something happens and you don't get to celebrate it like properly. And they were actually having fun. Now when you're scoring, when you drop a 40 burger, like you should be having fun, but they, you're right. They did bring that juice from, you know, before the clock was at zero. And I think, you know, you get Z coming out and refusing to shake hands. You, you just, the, the Vikings like gave them, extra reasons to feel energized and I have to give them credit also I was a little worried that this game would get a little violent Mm -hmm. like you could tell like right off the bat very early on in this game it was very chippy but the Packers kept a cool head they didn't let anything happen even with Justin Jefferson basically banging his helmet on the ground Jair had some words, but other than that, they were very professional about it. And like, it could have gone the other way very, very easily. I do want to also talk about a post-game presser that I thought was really interesting. I don't know if you listened to Rasul Douglas after the game, but he was being interviewed and he was talking about how this week, the secondary, just the group chat was going off all week. They were so locked in. They were watching film together. They were texting even when they were home about like things that they needed to do. And then they'd think of something and they'd send it and don't forget this and this, and this is what we need to do in this route. And it just felt like they knew all week going into this, like we have to be on a hundred, we have to be 110. 
Um, and you felt that energy like right off the bat out of the tunnel, but it was nice to hear that there was like a level, certain level of like preparation pregame as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to keep going back to it, but you mentioned there's really good offenses coming up and there's a very realistic chance that this is a Packers team that on wild card weekend is flying to go play the 49ers. I don't want so, that at all. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a very good yeah. offense that is, you know, potentially coming down the line for this Packers team. So it was nice to see it against a team like the Vikings that has a Justin Jefferson and a Dalvin cook. And yes, their offensive line hasn't been good, but Kirk cousins is having a very nice season, you know, by, by his standards and just, it, it was a, a complete performance where, you know, Jair said it too, like Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, you know, he made the comment about it being a fluke week one. Everybody took that and ran with it, said, absolutely. It's not a fluke. He's been fluking, I guess, for three seasons then. And, Jair shut it down. You know, he yeah. he backed up what he was saying that he would do. So that's the energy that you want to see them continue for the rest of the season. And the belt, like you said, with Rogers, I texted my dad in that moment and I was like, this just is giving me such nostalgia. Like this, it it felt so unattainable to think that run the table was a thing. And now they're in control of their own destiny and yeah. actually running the table with a Rogers belt in the end zone. I think this team oddly plays their best ball when they're like behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. like when there's like a chip on their shoulder. And I think that's been Rogers MO his entire career. This like chip on his shoulder fell to the 24th pick need to prove himself like mantra. And it's somehow like permeated into the, not saying he did this purposely. I'm just saying like, there's something about this team when they are the underdog, they always, always find a way to shock. I mean, think about like going into the undefeated Cardinals last year without Devontae Adams. And everyone's like, there's no way. There's just no way. And then, you know, walk off interception. It just, those are the moments where this team actually like kind of comes alive. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they made some waves when it, you know, we've wanted the NFC one seed we've wanted Lambo, et cetera. Maybe this team just needs a little bit of like, I don't want to say adversity, but just a little, little chip on the shoulder to get the momentum going. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I know you can't go back with the ifs and the buts, but I talked to Mark, you know, they said it on the broadcast. Tony Romo was talking about it where when the Packers hosted the Buccaneers, it was, the COVID season and there were barely any fans in the stands and they didn't have any momentum. And it was just, it felt like such a different atmosphere. And we've joked that like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, his entire season or his entire career has just needed to host playoff games at home. And what year did the Packers actually go win it all is when they were the yeah. sixth seed and they had to travel and, you know, take on the bears in the NFC championship game. I literally texted my dad and said, what if the Packers have to go play Minnesota for the NFC championship game and Jaron Reed wearing number 90 gets a pick six of Kirk Cousins to steal the game <laughs> a la BJ Rashi 2010. And my dad's like, all right, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like this, it's, we talked all season, right? We keep going back to the Robert Sala thing about this team getting punched in the mouth and responding and we're seeing them respond. And if they can yeah. run the table, you know, we talked before the Vikings game, why are they underdogs, you know, going into this game at Lambeau, nobody believes in the Vikings, blah, blah, blah. The Packers are proving that yeah. they're a team that you, you know, the narrative that you don't want to see them in the dance when they get hot, they're getting hot. And I kind of agree that you don't really want to see them 
if they continue to play this way and have this kind of attitude. I still feel a little apprehensive about this team. I don't know why. I obviously like they went on a pretty poor stretch here. So I'm not holding my breath, I guess. I'm thinking about it like week by week. But at the same time, this win felt different. Mm -hmm. Like the Cowboys game was fun, right? Miami, really awesome road win. Some concerns. Yeah. Some concerns, right? Beating the Bears, whatever, you know, but then they lost to some bad team. Like the Packers lost at home to the Jets. This same team lost at home to the Jets. I was there. So <laughs> poor thing. <laughs> I know. So I I am they just have to keep playing this way. They have to stay consistent and they have to stay I, I it's the turnovers. I I I don't love relying on that, but like as long as they play clean football, the Packers play clean football, I think they can really do some damage. And then at the same time, I'm playing devil's advocate for myself. I'm also thinking if I'm an NFC wildcard contender, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to see an Aaron Rodgers-led team uh, up against me because there's also just a level of, like, this team has some vets that have been in the playoffs, right? Like, they know what this is. This is not their first rodeo. So there's a level of, like, energy and also experience that if they make it into the playoffs, some of these other teams don't have, like, the Giants, the Giants haven't been in the playoffs in years. Even the Eagles, right? Like this is San Francisco, scary. However, right now they have Brock Purdy. So sure, he's had a great regular season, but what's Mr. Irrelevant going to be like when in the bright lights in the playoffs? You know, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers knows what this is. Jair, Aaron Jones, these receivers, Kenny Clark, like they've been here before and they know how to play like, sure, they've lost. Okay. You could argue that. Sure. But they've been here before. And I think that should be a little scary. Yeah. And I mean, Kenny Clark, I think, had said, like, I've been here four times. Like, at some point, right. you want to get over the hump. And Mercedes Lewis, there's a lot of guys. And the, the like, the finality of it all, Randall Cobb, there's plenty of guys that, that realize, like, realistically, this is probably their last shot with, you know, this core team as it is. So, I thought the window was closed. If you asked me six weeks ago, I would have said to you, this window is closed. Yeah. Right now, it's open a teeny tiny crack. And like they're using all their muscle to open it a little more. But it's there. They just, they have to beat the Lions next week. That is it. It is win or go home. I'm glad it's at Lambeau. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I do not like Detroit at all i do not like the turf i do not like the entire situation and it's another revenge game for sure so yeah i just can't believe this team has their destiny in their own hands after this I'm, season i'm not gonna make any other comparisons but i'm just saying the last time aaron Rodgers threw 11 picks was 2010 <laughs> last time Everyone they were a wild card team um yeah no i mean i i think we kind of talked about this a little bit last week and maybe it wasn't actually in the recording but I was always more concerned about the Lions and the Vikings of these final two games. And I think it's just because these Lions, you know, I really like Dan Campbell as a coach. They're playing really good football offensively. Their defense has had some really good spurts and they're in the same kind of situation that the Packers are in where they need help. Mm -hmm. Obviously they need the Seahawks to help them out, but they're backed into a corner. And I think some of the time football 
teams are the most dangerous when they're backed into a corner. Look at the Steelers. They have like a 15% chance at making the playoffs, but they took it to the Ravens last night. Right. Like they did what they needed to do. So the entire playoff picture, there's really nothing set in stone. So the fact that the Packers don't need any additional help. Yes. You know, Aaron Rodgers started his post game by thanking the Browns uh, <laughs> on the, the TV broadcast, but that outside of that, you know, they win and they're in. So yeah, the Lions have heart. I think that's a, like yeah. when you compare the Vikings and Lions, the Vikings might be like on paper, potentially like the better football team. They obviously have the better record, but I think the Lions play with a lot more heart and this means more to them. They haven't made the playoffs either in years. And so to be able to like take it this far, um, I think it means a lot to them. It's going to be a really, really, really good game. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Now, before we wrap up, maybe for those listening who don't fully, can we just like lay out what needs to happen. I know we're going to do a Lions preview show, but kind of what the NFC picture like looks like after week 17. Yeah, absolutely. So for the number one seed right now, there are three teams in contention for that. You have the Eagles who can basically just clinch with a win or a tie. You've got the Cowboys that are in, like have the possibility technically to get the number one seed by winning the division. And then the 49ers can also technically be that number one seed if they beat the Cardinals and the Eagles lose to the Giants. Not sure what the Eagles and Giants game is going to look like at this point. Obviously the Giants clinched a playoff spot, so they're kind of locked in to their spot at this point. I think they'd be the sixth seed regardless. So maybe they rest some starters. We don't really know what that looks like, but you've got the Eagles and the Cowboys fighting for the NFC East title. Then you have the number seven seed, which is the only seed that the Packers are able to take at this point. They win and they're in. The Lions can take that number seven seed if they beat the Packers and the Seahawks lose to the Rams. Seattle can get that seventh seed if they beat the Rams and the Packers lose to the Lions or if they tie the Rams and the Lions and Packers tie and the Commanders lose and tie to the Cowboys. So however it shakes out, just think about it like this. Packers win, they're in. If the Lions win, they still need Seattle to lose. And if the Packers lose and Seattle wins, then Seattle's in. Okay. So if the Packers win and Seattle loses, it doesn't matter anyway. If the yeah, if the Packers win, seven seeds there. So it doesn't matter regardless what happens with Seattle or any of the other teams. So they're probably – so I ask this because we still don't have the schedule yet, right? And so I right. doubt that they're going to put the Seattle game – before the Packers Lions game, because if Seattle wins, then it doesn't matter anymore for the Lions, and that's right. no fun. Right. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, we're recording this obviously before the Monday night game, which is when a lot of the, uh, these timings for the games will be reached. But I don't know at this point, I guess, you know, who would be the Giants are locked into the six seed. You've got the Eagles and the Cowboys who will either end up being like the number one seed or the fifth seed, which obviously you want to host a home playoff game. But there's also a part of me that's like, hey, the fifth seed's not too bad because you have to go play the NFC South and you have to go play the Bucs. And the Bucs have not played well this year. So if you're a fifth seed, 
you might not care that much. The Vikings, if they're sitting at the, the number three seed, which it seems like they will be, the Vikings would host the Giants in mm. the wild card round. So really what we should care about as Packer fans is whoever gets that number two seed, which at this point seems like it could be the 49ers or the Eagles or the Cowboys. Oh boy. Well, lots to talk about when we finally get the seeding. The NFC, as predicted, was a hot, hot mess and <laughs> remains hot mess until the end. So before we wrap this up, any like final concluding thoughts? I just I'm I'm fortunate that the Packers are playing meaningful football in week 18, because if you had asked me in week eight or, or even like 13, if I thought that, you know, we would have like a vested interest in what's happening with this Packers team, I would have said no way. So mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, and maybe, you know, we, we would have made it fun, right? That's what we do as Packer fans. We would have liked watching Jordan Love if that happened. Like, whatever the case would have been, it's Packer football, and we're about to be without it for a long stretch of time, and we all hate the offseason, and we all miss Packer football. But the the fact that we get to watch our team play a meaningful game and not just a game that, you know, doesn't matter when it comes to a win or loss is really special. And, you know, I know whatever happens on Sunday, whatever happens at the Lions, if the Packers do make the playoffs or if they don't, I have grown to appreciate, you know, the tail end of Aaron Rodgers career. And I know we talked earlier this season about like, you know, what it's going to look like. Is he going to kind of fizzle out and what's going to happen if they start Jordan Love and they invest all this money in him? Like, what does that look like? And is it Mm -hmm. time to consider benching him? Then he brought the belt out and I was so nostalgic. I'm like, okay, you know, let, let the man do whatever he wants until he's ready to hang it up. So I think we're entering like a really interesting era of Packer football where it's like you said, this window is like, kind of open it's kind of shutting on them but they're kind of like forcing it open a little bit so it's going to be fun however the season shakes out I think that there is going to be a window for a little bit longer and I appreciate that because it's making me uh really appreciate a lot of the players on this team that probably won't be here in the next couple of years yeah I think this season like really proved to me how much I love this team That like, regardless of record, regardless of how bad they look on the field, I will watch any game until it's over. And I don't care if they're losing. I don't care if they get shut out. I don't care if they score three points. Like there's a, there's a true, true fandom that is, I'm not sure it exists fully for any of my other sports teams. Now that aside, just a little sentimental moment. Um, I'm really proud of this team. I think like the one thing under Matt LaFleur that we have said for a couple of seasons now is when things start to spiral, they really go down the drain. And this team has come back from adversity like no other team we've ever seen before. And they think it's a real testament to his leadership of like weathering the storm of the middle of this season. And I'm sure also leadership within that locker room, right? Not just coaching, but players as well, because this is a very player led team. But this is like the one thing that's really been missing. Right. And so if this is something that can be like learned and sustained moving forward, no matter who's under center, no matter who's in that locker room, just kind of having that like, when you punch us, we punch back mentality is going to be huge, huge for this team. So I'm really excited about this. I can't believe, like you said, we have meaningful football in week 18. Um, And I don't know. I'm just grateful to have had such an interesting and fun season. 
and we will see what happens next week. I'm trying not to look too far ahead because I don't want to be let down, but this team has totally and completely sucked me in fully and we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I, There's literally no better way to end this podcast. You heard it first from Perry Goldstein. It is January 2nd at 2.51 p.m. Central Time. The Packers are going to the Super Bowl. Um, if that happens, I'm also going to have Perry give me all of the lottery numbers for yes. uh, <laughs> the next uh, Mega Millions. But that is all the time that we have for today's show. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. We know it's a long one, but there was a lot to talk about. And we're excited. And it's fun to be excited about Packer football. What a way to start the year 2023. You can follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You follow the podcast on other socials at Packed What She Said. Thank you so much for listening. And we've got meaningful football to talk about in just a couple of days. Packers hosting the Lions. We'll have a time for you at the end of the Monday Night Football game. So thank you and go Pack Go Pack Go.